People's Church podcast. This is our Easter Sunday service with a message entitled, In the Beginning God, with Pastor Nelson Jones. We're going to talk about resurrection, heaven. We're going to have some fun today. This is an amazing subject, an amazing day. I've had different ones from the congregation come to me, guys already, just before the service, saying, you know, this is such a good day and such great news. I can't get my head around the whole thing. It's just so amazing, and it is. It really is amazing. We want to start with these words on Genesis 1, verse 1. Why not start at the beginning? Do not worry, I'm not going to use the whole Bible as our text today. Genesis 1, 1 says simply, and I'm only going to take the first phrase, in the beginning, God. Can you think of a better beginning for anything? In the beginning, God. Now you've heard today, you've seen video, you've heard the music, you've heard the testimony towards how good God is. By the way, that first uh, thing that we threw on, the video element, that was Radic Haynes. And boy, did you nail that, Radic. That was uh, so well done. When it comes to God, if you don't have him as your starting point, Everything else past that is fuzzy, confused, something that doesn't have any potential for anything beyond your five senses. All that you will know, your total reality is locked within time and space. But when we start where the Bible starts, the story, in the beginning, God, everything changes. This day's the resurrection day. It's a day of concentrated power of God at one point in time where he defeated death and hell. It says he came out of the grave with the keys to death and hell. These are the two great enemies, hell, separation from God. That's what that is. It's separation from God and then in eternity with your hurts and hangups and everything else about you. Rather than in the family of God where there is this beautiful grace that Peter discovered her and was so illustrated again in one of the skit guys things here today how God by grace is building a family everything begins with the power of God on that resurrection day we're going to learn why it's important it wasn't just the idea of life out of death it was a new creation that was emerging something unique It wasn't just some of the ones that Jesus raised from the dead. He had raised only a week or so before his friend Lazarus from the dead. But Lazarus died again, the natural death. There was something in Christ's resurrection that is the first starting point. And it's a new beginning, a brand new beginning. But let's start right back at the front end. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth The natural world has emerged from the supernatural world. What came first, heaven or earth? Heaven. Heaven is that place that has the eternal throne of God. It is a place that has always been. The natural world didn't emerge and man creates the concept of heaven. It was God that created the natural order of things. And that natural order emerges from this 
phrase, first him. And then it says he spoke this and he spoke this. He initiated, he created, and this beautiful creation comes out. So what you enjoy in this creation, and, and I don't know anybody that doesn't love creation. We love it in all its different slices, whether it's the mountains or the waters, whether it is the fields, whether it is the hills. It doesn't matter. We all take it in. Even snow can be beautiful, just not today. <laughs> there is a beauty in nature. There is a connection with nature that you have. In essence, nature exists because heaven exists. It was created, thought up, its full creativity emerged out of heaven first. So let's understand the concept of heaven from the big picture. It has always been. All of these things exist because heaven exists. And if heaven didn't exist, this doesn't exist. And so this beautiful creation emerges from the supernatural world, from God's world, from the eternal world, from heaven. Let's go back and visit a story that seems weird today, and I'm not invoking a snowstorm on us. It says in Luke 2, 8 through 15, nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angels stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angels said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring you, I bring good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said glory to God in heaven. And on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Then when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. This amazing interchange shows up on this one night, this one grand announcement of the birth of the Messiah, of Jesus, God come in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, the seed, the Holy Spirit placed in his own nature within the womb of a virgin, and that came amongst us and born that night. We have this interchange, this, this beautiful intersection that takes place where heaven comes and announces we have, here's what he did. The supernatural world invades the natural world. Why did that have to happen? Because the natural world was created originally for you and I, and we were created in the image of God with the ability to decide yes, no. We have the sovereignty about us that God gifted us with. And when we exercised it, we exercised it in a way that produced a disconnection from God because we went directly against his purpose, his plan, his deity, his person, his, everything about him was compromised. And so here we stood without hope, separated from God, but Jesus comes from heaven's not done with earth. That's the message of Christmas. Heaven is not done. It is doing its work. 
It is in charge. And so here he comes to us, God amongst us, and he invades this natural world to take back the two keys that held us, hell and death, eternal separations from God, locked in our own self-core. And here we are now, having the ability to be restored to the Lord, restored to eternity's purpose, restored to the original intent of creation, with a will that we must exercise. Listen to this next scripture. Luke 24, 45 to 51. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. This is after the resurrection. This is after what we're celebrating today. This is days, weeks later. And he opens their mind to understand the scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Look, I'm sending to you what my father promised. But you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. He led them out as far as Bethany, where he lifted his hands and blessed them. And as he blessed them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Heaven has been active all around us. Its its will is being exerted even now, even in the Lord's Prayer, are we not counseled to pray? You know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying now you play a part in heaven's activity and heaven's designs for this planet because of your standing with God in Jesus Christ. He's saying now you get to play a part of this plan. A new creation is born through the resurrection. A brand new creation. This is amazing when you think about it. We look around and we say, isn't creation amazing? And it is. Every time I get to go out uh, into creation, which is as often as I possibly can, get out to the wilderness, uh, go build a campfire somewhere, uh, go and, uh, you know, take the grandkids, do something special out there. Just have time in that kind of thing. It's, It's one of the, passions of my life. I I love it. And now we see here this new creation is being born through the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has started anew in the beginning. God. He's creating something special through the resurrection. Jesus, when he is resurrected, is resurrected in a physical body. This is not just nirvana stuff. This is not anything like that. This is a real bodily resurrection, defeating death and all of its, all of it, its, its ability to destroy, defeating our eternal separation from God. And he comes forward and now we have a new creation, a body that won't die. A body that can do things we saw in the scriptures recorded, some of the great things that Jesus in body was able to perform and do. This is an indication of this brand new creation. There's many scriptures that say, behold, I am doing a new thing. Uh, when you come to Christ, you are a brand new creature or creation in Jesus Christ. He's not talking just in some spiritual sense. He's talking about the redemption of the whole thing. There is a new creation that he is working on right now. Listen to this in John 14, 1 to 6. Don't be troubled. 
Trust in God. Trust also in me. My father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. I just have to pause there. He's talking about, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I am starting, Jesus is saying, I am starting on this new creation which will house his eternal family. See, there's a couple things. He's preparing a place and he's preparing his family. His family is just those that are going to respond to grace by faith and say, yes, this is my true condition, and I need your grace and your mercy, and I receive it through the work of Jesus on the cross. And through that, I now have his nature, his character, his presence, his power in my life. I belong in the family of God. It goes on and it says, you know the place that I'm going. I'm sorry, you know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas asked, Lord, We don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is this exclusive work of Christ on the cross and then the power concentrated to defeat hell and death once and for all that had sunk the original creation. And restore to you, restore to me, the purpose of God for his eternal family, now through faith. So let's talk about heaven a little bit. Because heaven's active. It's always active. In fact, it's almost hyperactive. It is the permanent place out of which all things exist. In fact, it says about Jesus in Colossians, it says, all these things are held together and they consist and exist simply because he does. He's holding it all. He is identified as the one through whom the Godhead created. And so created the beautiful creation that you and I get to live in now. And even in a fallen state, what an amazing thing it is. It says in Colossians 3.1, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. It doesn't say on some kind of confused, foggy kind of of, of thing. It's saying, now that you have received Christ, now that you've been raised to new life, now that you are part of the new creation and what he's doing, now set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So let's work our way through some understandings. What is heaven? Well, number one, we just read it. It's where God lives and rules. It's where he lives and rules. God has a place that he has set as his throne, as his rulership. You know, there's an interesting story about a king in the Old Testament. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. He was was king of Babylon at the time. History identifies him. And a massively powerful king, the big one world government, 
Um, and uh, he goes through some very humbling things in his life where, I mean, this is the guy that set up the golden altar for everybody and all of his people to come from all over the globe to bow down and worship him. I mean, he was, everything was about him. This guy was a, a messed up, you know, egotistical ruler with absolute power. No, I'm not speaking of anybody in common history. I'm talking about Nebuchadnezzar. So here is Nebuchadnezzar. And he ends up going through that. Then he goes through seven years of the idea of just like he loses his mind. God said he would because his pride was going to get him. And he said, and because your pride's going to get you, you're gonna, I'm going to take your, your sense from you. And he did. For seven years, this guy is grazing on grass. I mean, he's like out of it. And then his mind is restored to him. And finally, in humility, he makes this one great pronouncement. He says, let it be known, heaven rules. He sets up whoever he wants. He does whatever he wants. He, what Nebuchadnezzar did was abdicate his own throne and make the declaration that heaven is in charge. And so he was recognizing this throne that we're now talking about. In Psalm 123.1, it says this, I raise my eyes to you, you who rule from heaven. This is a reality. He really does rule. He really is on the throne. And he has defeated death. And he has defeated sin and its, and its consequences. He has paid the price. He has done these things so that he can make us a place and build a family for eternity. The second thing we learn about heaven, what is heaven, is that it's a real place. It says this in Matthew 6, 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Look, if heaven wasn't real, you don't have any place to store up anything. He's talking about an action of storing up this is a physical reality. This is a real place where you store up real treasures in heaven. Thirdly, it's designed for us. This is remarkable. To be designed for us means that it's always been about us. It's always been about you, don't you understand that? But you're not to make it all about you. Let God make it all about you. God made it all about you. He made it all about you when he decided to create and give you a sovereign will that he knew would lead to sin and rebellion and those that would completely turn their nose at him and never acknowledge that heaven rules and live their life as if they rule. God knew all of that. But because of his love, he'd take the shots of rebellion. He'd take the shots of disrespect. He would take the shots of, from us in that we would choose to waste the very best that he would bring or give. And then out of that, he made a way for there to be a repentance, a turning, a turning back to him, a receiving of grace and mercy. It's always been designed for us, and heaven is designed for you. The king, it says in Matthew 25, 34, will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. When did he create it? 
since the creation of the world. He prepared a kingdom, an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that we call heaven, his place and his place that you have been invited to. It's designed for you. In Ephesians 1.10 it says, and this was his purpose that when the time is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are, in heaven or on earth, to be with him in Christ forever. That's your design. That's his hope. That's his design for every human being. Not all are going to rise to the grace of God. Not all are going to rise to humble themselves and to achieve such levels of humility to acknowledge that heaven rules, that there's only one throne that really all things consist of, whether it's things that have come from there or will come from there. But one thing is for sure, at the end, it is the only thing that will still remain. Hebrews 13, 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. All of these writers, and this could be repeated, I could be reading vast amounts of volume of scripture. But it's not just in scripture. The Bible tells us that he has set eternity in the hearts of men. More or less in each one of us, there is this sense of something greater than the present of who we are. We never see ourselves, usually unless we are in a very bad state, that this is the limit of who we are. There's a brokenness that can come and you might need healing in some of that today. I hope that you will hear when I talk about your tears in just a second. But right now, you are actually have a place that has been designed for you, a home to go to. There is a place of, of rightness for you, and in you is this sense of this eternal structure, this eternal call, this eternal longing, something greater, something better. There's always more, there's always more. That is God setting eternity in your heart. He has created you differently. The animals don't have that sense. They do not have a sense of eternity in their hearts. They do not have a sense of purpose or design. You do. You didn't evolve into that, folks. You were given that. It was put right into your core. It's a DNA from God. It is heaven's fingerprint in you. It is something that has been placed in you that if you really think about it, there it's, it is something that has brought you some amazing moments. Have you ever had a moment in time, and we all have, there's a name for them, but I don't have time to dive into all this, but let me just say this, I think that you've had these moments in time where you seem to have had some kind of completed experience. Now when I say completed experience, I mean it was like it was the most complete experience you've ever imagined, and you try to hold on to the feeling of that. But as much as you try to hold on to the feeling of that, it's like water through the hand and then it's gone. And you try to create it, you can remember it, you have a sense of it, but you can't hold on to that completion. God has put something in your heart that will only be completed when you settle your differences with him. When you settle that you are gonna lean on the grace of God, when you settle that it is heaven that rules, that it is heaven that has given you the meaning and the purpose for your life. That gives you the greatest sense of what heaven is like. It's this completion. So where is it? 
It's not Grand Prairie. It's not your home. It's not your den and a great big massive TV. That's darn close, but it's not there. It is not the right car, the right job, or fulfilling kind of profession. It is not those things. That is not where it is. It's not in those things. In fact, those things can be extremely empty. They can become even depressive. They can become even greatly restrictive. Where is heaven? Well, here's the best thing we know. Here's the best things we know. It is out of this world, literally. Look at Psalm 53.2. God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Another scripture says, they looked up into heaven as he ascended. What do we know? It ain't here. We try to manufacture our own heavens. We try to create our own heavens. We try to make it here that this would be the where. But it never hits the mark. It never hits that completion. It is like water through the hands. Everything that you own is going to be like water through the hands. All of the things that you have built that are very good will be like water through the hands. It is, where, it is something that is far out of this place. It's in a different dimension. Now, we're learning about dimensions these days, and, and we learn about the, the, that in space. Now, there's revelations now that we're finding out in physics. That there are all kinds of dimensions. There's not just three, four, etc. So what is heaven like? Well, this is the most interesting question for most. What is it like? We start with this. This is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What's he saying in that verse? You know your five senses? You know your ability even to imagine? Your comprehension's not there. Not gonna be there. Have you ever tried to explain a great experience you've had to somebody who didn't have the experience? And as limited as that is, you cannot take, and with the five senses, think that you can actually replicate an understanding of heaven. But let's talk about, here's some things, here's how you, the best way to understand heaven, the things that we've been told in scriptures. Here are some things not in heaven. This, these things will not be in heaven. No sickness. Now, for those of you that have dealt with chronic pain or have dealt with all kinds of physical issues in life, or right now your physical being is not a representation of health uh, or men's health or women's health magazine, I mean, if you uh, look at your life and you see where your sickness and your weakness is, is there and it increases with age, in heaven there will be no sickness. When Jesus was resurrected in a new body, that body will never know. It will never know sickness, no sadness, no sadness in heaven. See, sadness is always focused on that where the gaps are in life. Well, I lost somebody, there's a sadness here. Because, you know, what happened has left me with this gap that we didn't get a completed journey. It's over. 
There's sadness because in our life, things don't, our dreams don't come out the way we had hoped. That's a gap. Sadness exists because of loss and different things in life and the gaps of life seem to overcome us. But in heaven, there are no gaps. There are no gaps in love. There are no gaps in the relational world. There are no gaps in the challenge or the adventures or the abilities that God is gonna give you. There are no gaps. And then no suffering. No suffering. Suffering is something that is a a common, right now around the world, there's all kinds of suffering. I mean, in Ukraine today, in so many other parts of the world, there's a lot of suffering going on because of man-to-man stuff. Because it comes down to power and it comes down in this planet to the uh, Nebuchadnezzars uh, setting up thrones and all of us are the Nebuchadnezzar. We can't lay this on our leaders. We must lay it on ourselves because we've set up our own thrones. And man to man, we see these kinds of horrific things. That brings about great sorrows and great suffering. And then there will be no sin in heaven. Because you see, when we go to heaven and through Christ, through faith in Christ, we are not returned in a sense to innocence. We receive a gift called righteousness. We will still have the same personality. Yes, you will be you, sad to say. Even sadder, your husband will be him. Here's what you won't be. It won't be him with all of those sinful things where it's me first in every which way and it is not gonna be in heaven because we have received the righteousness or the character of Christ. And so in heaven, that character is dominant within the personality and the beauty of what God made you and that you already are. But you will have now the perfect standard of Christ's own character in your life. And there will be no sin, no death, None. No more parting. No more saying goodbye like that. No more where you see, feel powerless before the diseases or powerless before what this world brings or the age. You know, we work so hard, don't we, at reducing this effect of death on us. My gosh, you know, like take this pill and you'll live a, another hour longer. Um, the, the fact is, is that we work hard at trying to beat death and, and aging and all of the different things. But here's one thing I know, and here, here it is 100% true today. We are all right now in this room, terminal. In heaven, that's gone. Jesus Christ defeated it. And his life and power of his resurrection is that which will raise us from our graves. And here's the great news. Even upon death, people wonder, well, what happens when I die? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and have placed your faith in him, it says that you go directly home. You are going to him. It's over. Sins, rain, sins, trouble, death is over. It's done. Here's some things that will be in heaven. Reunion. Oh my gosh. Reunion. There is nothing like relationships that we get a little idea of where the love is so close to the completion that we so 
are intertwined with one another. I think how much I love my wife. And how intertwined that has brought us. And how it is through the years, these years are richer than their earlier years. I'll tell you why they're richer. It's because I grew up a little more. That wasn't a joke. And the more we become what Christ wants us to become, we are going to be in our relational world, have this wonderful reunion that will take place with people that have gone on before us. There will be rewards in heaven. He speaks directly about it, and don't you disparage rewards. I've heard Christians do this. Well, I don't do it for the reward. The Bible says he will reward even the smallest things. So, common life, when you carry it out from an attitude of heaven rules, a humility in your life, and you carry out just the common things of life, he rewards that for you because it is the kingdom of heaven being lived out on this planet. And there will be responsibilities. This surprises some people. And yet it's really, really plain in scriptures. Be faithful in little, you'll be given much. He tells uh, literally the guys that went out and invested and did well in that story he talked about. He said, enter into the joy of the Lord and he gives them more and it's the idea of greater responsibilities. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna have all of great responsibilities, things to do, production in life. You will have a far richer life and responsibilities and production in heaven. There will be rest and some of you said, yes, good. There will be rest, but a rest. So much of, you, you've been there. I'm bored. I don't know what I want to do, but I, 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 I'm bored. I, I'm looking for the next good movie to lift me a little bit. I'm looking for the next a little adventure, the next little trip to lift me a little bit. I'm looking for something to restore some sense of adventure into my life. You're going to have a rest because you will be living productively and because of the deep meaning and purpose that has been fulfilled and being completed every moment of your journey with him. Rejoicing will be in heaven. Rejoicing. Joy. Joy is strength, the Bible says. Rejoicing, worship. He's in his proper place. You are in your proper place. You can become all that you've been designed to be at that being the great rejoicing of what God has done for you by the mighty grace that he gave to us. So how do I get to heaven? Romans 1:17. this good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven. He makes us right in God's sight when we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us. This is accomplished from start to finish Get it, start to finish, start to finish by faith. As the scripture says it, the man who finds life will find it through trusting God. So that scripture really, if we just boil it down to this, is how do you get to heaven? You trust God. You trust that he, he does it at the start right through the, to, to the end. He looks after the whole deal. Just like we start in Genesis 1, we can go right through to the end of time and this thing will all change, but there's a new creation being prepared because in the beginning, God in heaven has been at work to bring his family and the place he's created for this new creation of eternity with us. Then it goes into John three sixteen for God so loved the world that 
that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a simple thing. All he's saying to you really straight up is this, I love you. I just love you and here's how you get to heaven. Here's how you get to heaven. Believe, just believe. Believe in him. It's faith. Believe in him. Trust. Believe in him. I think it takes greater belief to believe there is no God. I think you have to disconnect from all scientific realities and disconnect from all kind of uh, creation realities around us. You need to disconnect from even the realities of your internal knowing and knower. But he's saying that God loves you. He gave his son for you. You believe in him. You will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. How should I live if I'm going to go to heaven? If heaven is my ultimate distraction, what does my life look like now? Don't be distracted by temptations. Dear brothers, you are only visitors here. Since your real home is in heaven, I beg you, and I'm begging you today, don't miss this. Keep away from the evil pleasures of this world. They are not for you, for they fight against your very souls. Hebrews 11, 15, 16, if they had wanted to, they could have gone back to the good things of this world, but they didn't want to. They were living for heaven. And now God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has made a heavenly city for them. Heaven contains the the new creation that he's created for you. Live it now. Live for it now. Second, don't be discouraged by trouble. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our inner strength in the Lord is growing every day. These troubles and sufferings of ours are, after all, quite small and won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and ever. So we do not look at what we can see right now. The trouble's all around us. But we look forward to the joys in heaven, which we have not yet seen. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. They did a study on hope. I don't have time to do everything on it, but I'll tell you this. They studied a bunch of people from the Second World War that really did well through the camps. And they survived these awful camps, whether it's Japanese or German uh, camps. They survived these camps and they studied why did these ones do so well and others didn't do so good. There was one word, one word, that emerged clearly. Hope. Some never lost hope. Some retained their hope. Some lived in that camp because they knew it was not the end of the picture. This was a painful present, but it was not a painful eternity. This was that which was setting up to the glory of God, things that are far bigger than just the current experience. Troubles will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Thirdly, focus my energy on what will last Now, this is just a pragmatic statement. If there is a God in the beginning, if he has not backed off this world because of our sin and this power, misusing this powerful gift of sovereignty, our will that we have, if he has not backed off this planet, if he's held on to his plan, if heaven is still real, if it still rules, if God is still there and he invaded that night when he announced to the shepherds and said, he's here, I'm back. 
Then Colossians 3, 2, let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here because they're not the big game. The big game, well, it's heaven. And the big game is now available to you because resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the doorway into heaven and the new creation. Philippians 3.14 says, I run toward the goal so I can win the prize of being called to heaven. This is the prize God offers because of what Christ Jesus has done. You've been called to heaven. What's your response? Where are you at? You're gonna be at several different places. Some people are very disillusioned in life and that disillusionment just about life itself has robbed you of meaning and purpose and existence has lost a lot of specialness. You have no sense really of the deep meaning in much. It's just sort of how can I survive a little better? Sometimes we fall that low. Sometimes we're just blindly have contained our lives with the things that we have built up around us and they have, instead of being the release or a great purpose in life, they have become a trap in life. And we discover as we age that our weaknesses will win in the end. We can be in several different spots today when it comes to this idea of God and heaven and plan and purpose and you designed for him and his family and the work of Jesus and the, how important an empty tomb is in this facility of, of, of this new heaven that the resurrection is that doorway that opens up for you the same thing that he promised that he was just the first fruits. This is Bible. He was just the first fruits of many that would follow Are you ready? Two questions. Are you ready for heaven? The only one way to get ready for heaven, God's grace. You saw it, Peter, up here. God's grace. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. It, that stuff, the only one that can make that your permanent condition is you. Your permanent call is to heaven. There's no higher way to live. There's nothing more greater to live for. It is the throne that rules over all. And that's why this Bible tells us that one day, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the Lord of this new creation. That is his role. He is the, he is the Lord of the new creation. Are you ready? How do you get ready? Well, we've, we've read it. Believe in him. You say, what? Come on. Everything else cannot be translated to support your case before this great God. It's only his own work that he will accept, not yours. Believe in him. I plead with you. Don't waste another day. But then there's, are you ready? Are you ready for heaven? Here. Are you ready to take your life and through humility 
kneel afresh and restore this beautiful purpose and meaning to your life to serve the almighty God with your life? Will you build for heaven? Don't waste it any longer. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I do that, build for heaven? You may have been a Christian many years. How do I do this? It's really quite simple. When we humble ourselves daily before God, that day becomes about God. When that day becomes about God, every common thing in that day becomes about God. Humble yourself every day, and that might be a new thing today. Humble yourself so that he might lift you up. So as we close this, are you ready? The resurrection? Wow. I'll tell you this right now, I'm ready. If I croak this week, I'm glad you laughed at that. Others were, well, yeah, that could be good. If I did, I'm ready. I want you to know that. I'm not clinging to life here. It's just not. I love life here. I love you. Are you ready? Then humble yourself and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will bring all of the grace and mercy that you need. And healing can begin also in all of the things of your life so that you can now begin to humble yourself daily so that all the common practices of your life will go through healing and strengthening and renewal and the new creation will start to dictate these kinds of healings in your life. A wholeness will start to return to your soul because God is healing you. But it starts with believe in him. Humble yourself, believe in him. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads together. If you have, want to respond to this invitation to humble yourself and to receive Jesus Christ, put your faith in him, believe in him, and this is your day, you're going to do that, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer that will help you in this moment. It's just a prayer of humility. It's a prayer of believing in him. It's a prayer and a statement to him and an acceptance, a turning over, a surrender. And you can just pray this in the quietness of your heart, folks. It's not the magic of the words. It's the magic of the heart behind the words. Here you go. Jesus, come into my life. I choose you. I get my will out of the way, and I choose you because you've chosen me. Even before the world was created, you chose me. You have loved me. You have had purpose for me. I've lost a lot of things in this world by my own decisions. Others around me. But today I come with the brokenness I come with all of the things that my life contains. 
And I say, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me my sins. May your mercy fill my soul and my being. Begin a healing in me so that I might not just go to heaven, but I am ready to live it here. Restore my soul. So Lord, humbly receive my life as I offer it to you. Now you may have been a Christian for many years. Here's where you're left. Start today. Humble yourself before God. Bring heaven to the common. The common things of life. Bring heaven. Let it rule. Yield to its rule. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. But today I'm going to do this. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to be looking around the congregation today. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today, if you accepted Christ into your life, I want you to do something very courageous, but it's very important to do so publicly. And I'll be your first public. Raise your hand and say, I prayed that. Yeah. Hands all over. Keep them up. Thank you. Hands all over this congregation. You have, many of you, have received Christ today. Just look at me for a second, those of you that have. Just look at me for a second. This isn't the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. Plant your feet in your faith. Share it with somebody. Let us help you. Sometime over the next week or two, make a call to this place here. Book a coffee with one of our pastors, with one of us, so that we can sit down and help you navigate the next steps. But let's get going together. Because we want to see heaven established in your soul and that which has been common to bring its magic to in your life. Father, we just thank you for each and every prayer of commitment today to you we thank you lord that heaven's throne is real and it rules and thank you that in many hearts it now really rules and us as christians lord may we not be slack about our faith but may we bring the power of your resurrection into the experience of the common being touched and graced by heaven afresh. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.